Welcome to Where Are You Going, an industry-leading podcast all about business operations, freight, LTL, cost savings, profitability, and much more. Here's your host, Dave Stavali. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the newest episode of Where Are You Going, the podcast about uh, business, life, uh, family, and uh, having a little bit of fun talking about some commonalities in, in certain industries. We're going to go over all that today uh, with uh, our guest, Mark Tomasic. Uh, Mark is the Vice President and Deputy General Counsel at DP Fox Ventures and Fox Motors. And uh, very excited to have Mark. Welcome, my friend. Thanks. Excited to be here. <laughs> um, and uh, before we start, Mark, will you, will you tell us about that, that picture in the background there? Uh, they, uh, it looks like it's signed by Tayshawn Prince. So we'll have a, sure. for, for the, 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 uh, the Michigan and Detroit audience that yeah. we have. Tell me about well, I also, you know, it's a sign of a big ego when um, a person has a lot of pictures of themselves on the wall. So you may <laughs> notice you said, tell us about that picture. Well, there's multiple pictures, uh, most of them of me. But anyways, the picture I have of, um, behind me, the one you're referring to, and David, David appreciates this because, uh, by the way, Dave or David, what are you going by these days? It used to be you know, Dave. My, right? my, my mother and my aunts call me David, and uh, the, the rest of the world calls me Dave. Okay. All right. I'll stick with Dave. All right. So um, that's a picture of the 2004 NBA Eastern Conference Finals, and, and only true Piston and basketball fans will remember this moment. It's called The Block, and that's where, uh, you know, it was a contested series late in the series, and Reggie Miller was uh, running for a breakaway layup that might have, uh, could have affected the outcome of the whole series, and Tayshawn just came. I mean, we've seen some of these uh, blocks from LeBron over the years, but Tayshawn really kind of, uh, you know, he's got the trademark on it. He came from basically out of nowhere, and just Reggie was not uh, expecting him. He blocked this wide open court layup, and uh changed momentum and uh, of course we all know what happened pistons went out so this actual poster this i bought it at an auction charity auction it was actually hanging what i'm told anyways at least the reason they told me i had to pay so much was because it was uh hanging in the pistons locker room for a couple of years and it's autographed by uh Tayshaun prince so that's fan that's fantastic so yeah. that that kind of gives away your uh detroit roots so let's start Absolutely. let's start with those roots so tell us um you know, we'll get into uh, the business side here in a second, but uh, sure. give us what you want to share about the uh, Mark Tomasic story. I know we have some sort of commonalities there yeah. where we, uh, yeah. you know, the, the I-94 and I-96 corridor. So tell us. Yeah, about, that's uh, right. Well, you got to you got to start at the beginning. Um, you know, I should lay down on my couch. I mean, normally I save this stuff for uh, for my therapist, but um Born and raised Birmingham, uh, Birmingham, Michigan, and um, spent basically, you know, the first I'll call it, with the exception of going away to going away to college, I spent the first 33 uh, years of my life there. Seahome, uh, pr uh, proud son of Birmingham Seahome High School, played basketball there, uh, like you, uh, played basketball at, in uh, in Gross Point. Uh, eventually, uh, made my way to Western Michigan University, where I got a degree in finance, and. Um, uh, left there after four and a half years in true uh, Western Michigan fashion and, uh, and came back to Birmingham. And I worked for about five years uh, for a little startup company called Quicken Loans. Mm. Just kidding. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a startup. But, uh, and then after a, a five-year run there, I went back to law school and, uh, and kind of uh, from there got into practicing law and ended up at my current job. Along the way, 
married a girl, uh, Kelly, uh, that I went to high school with, although she was not my high school sweetheart. Uh, yeah. We kind of reconnected or connected in college, as is the case with a lot of folks when uh, people start drinking heavily. And, uh, and now we got two, two wonderful kids and we're living here in Grand Rapids. Nice. Uh, so, so four and a half years now, now is that a, is that a four and a half years with an asterisk as in there was like a lot of summer classes in there or were you really a, a true four and a half years? Well, what I say is that, uh, the benefit of, of being a Western grad is we're not that good at math. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't really know. All I know is I, I walked, I walked through the, the campus gates, September of 98. And I walked out December of 2002. So you, you can do the math. I call that four and a half years. Uh, see what, uh, one of my favorite things, and I say this during, during every show, uh, one of my favorite things is whether I've known somebody, uh, 20 years, 30 years, six months when we're, we're having these conversations, I learn new things about them. So you and I were at Western the exact same time, the, right. literally to a T now I, um, sort of moonlighted at, uh, Macomb community college in the summer. <laughs> Uh, let me, let me back that up. The first three summers, uh, yeah. Macomb, a little bit of work going to Canada on uh, Friday and oh, Saturday. Yeah. So mine yeah. has like a double asterisk, but yes, it was four and a half years. And more importantly, five very good fall semesters. <laughs> Whatever it was, I wish I should have straight in hindsight, I would have made it the full five. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of, uh, the things that I'm excited to hear your take on, uh, that, that we've shared together in, in our journeys is growing up on the East side and then spending a big chunk of your adult life and, you know, raising kids over in Grand Rapids. Um, yeah. I just so, sort of, I'll leave it very open-ended for you, but just kind of curious on your, you know, 10, cause you've been there, I think almost 10 years, give or take, yeah. but you're, you're maybe you're, you're thought about it originally and then kind of take on it now, because I know we were in school, even though Grand Rapids is only 45 minutes away. It's not like it was a place that we went all the time. We're all broke college kids. So yeah. just kind of now at, you know, at 40 ish, uh, your kind of take on Grand Rapids and Detroit and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, well, two things I'll start with this. Um, you know, you and I also do share one, one other similar thing is that, you know, you grew up in gross point. I've heard you talk about this over the years is that gross point is kind of known as a wealthy community and you, you grew up, um, although you were, you were there, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you described yourself as not having grown up wealthy and kind of uh, in the middle middle class and, and how that impacted you. Um, I was in the same scenario. Growing up in Birmingham is, is considered by most a, a, quite a wealthy community. But, um, you know, I grew up uh, single mom, you know, ranch house and uh, in Birmingham. So that's, and I think you and I have shared some of the things about how that kind of impacts your your outlook um, and how you're you're maybe chasing certain things as you get a little bit older um, to kind of catch up to some of those other folks that, that you were living with day in, day out. So growing up in Birmingham and, and Metro Detroit, um, I'll say though, was just a was just a great experience. I feel like it was just the the heyday. It was so much fun things going on there and the Detroit sports arena and all that sort of thing. But you hit the nail on the head is that, and this is changing a little bit now and, and um, I really like to take a, a responsibility. I, I view myself as having responsibility to try and play a small part in, in accelerating this. But the two sides of the state, so you've got Grand Rapids on one side, which is your, well, let's start with Detroit, your largest uh, city in the state, of course, largest metro yep. area. And you've got Grand Rapids, which is the second largest state and the second largest metro area. And like the two sides 
historically don't don't communicate right so you've got all these detroiters who kind of think that oh grand rapids they know about it like i've never been to you know you're right we went to college 35 40 minutes away i've never been to grand rapids in my life right and um you've got all these detroiters who have i think misconceptions about grand rapids viewing it maybe as this kind of quirky um uh, you know, back in time sort of community. And then you've got, uh, which is not the case at all. It's there's, very, not, there's not, there's not like wooden buggies around downtown. No, no <laughs> it's not like an Amish community or something like this. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very advanced, people are not going to believe me. It's a progressive town. Yeah. Uh, there's tremendous art and, and business and culture and sports and all this sort of thing. And then the flip side of that, Dave, is that you've got Grand Rapidians, I call them, they look at Detroit with all these preconceptions. You know, they think like the minute you cross into, you know, cross east of uh, Ann Arbor area, you're going to get robbed or something like this, you know, and they think Detroit is just this tough kind of miserable place, which both of us know, of course, is not the case at all. Metro Detroit and Detroit is a great place. So that was the biggest observation. Now, those gaps are narrowing, but it's going to take continued effort by people who have comfort level with both communities to uh continue to bring them together yeah it's uh it's very true i um i had so i moved to grand rapids uh for the first time in in 2005 uh and and i and watching the growth from that uh watching how from my i would say opinion and and the book of business even that i covered uh the recession hiccup in grand rapids i think was much shorter uh, yeah. or much less of an impact than um, Detroit or even some other uh, areas in the Midwest. But I, but I also think too, as you know, Grand Rapids has become a little more hip, right? And I say that with a smile on my face, but really just having more people come in, not from the area, I also think that that has changed sort of the, um, I, culture is probably not the right word, but I just think the feel of Grand Rapids, especially downtown and around there. Yeah, I mean, well, what you had is that historically, you know, you had people that were born and raised here uh, in, in the Grand Rapids and the surrounding areas, maybe Holland, Zeeland, uh, Byron Center, and they would, you know, go away to college and they would come back. Well, now what you have is um, more folks coming in from other areas. I mean, I, I li personally live in East Grand Rapids, which is um, the city just to the east of Grand Rapids. And I can't tell you how many folks we've got coming in from Chicago, um, Wisconsin, Detroit, of course. And so you've got people kind of, and it's largely driven by business with some of the major companies here, but you've got now folks coming in um, and it's getting this also this reputation as just a great place to raise your family. Um, and so you're getting these folks come on in and they, what they do is they bring different outlooks and that uh, on life and on business and on, on everything. And what that does is it kind of leads to a natural progression over the years of of the identity of the community. And I think we're seeing that big time. I mean, you say from 2005, I moved here in 2013, and I can't tell you how many new, you know, it always had the brew pubs, but now there's like all these great restaurants and yep. um, there's major concert venues coming down here. I mean, Paul McCartney, for gosh sakes, plays here. Kid Rock's going to play here. Um, everybody comes and plays right downtown. And it's just, it's just a great environment. Yeah, that's uh, that's so true. Uh, but it's one of those things like anything in life, you, know, you kind of have to experience it yourself to a certain degree right. to, to, to change your own opinion. Now, you you touched on on, on the business side there, I, I think, um, for any large city to really, you know, see a change, um, it takes 
companies that are thriving to, to, you know, to really drive some of that change. And, um, you know, you're, you work for a very well-known company in Grand Rapids in terms of DP Fox that, that now is starting to, to spread their wings. Um, I've read some of your posts about, uh, the dealerships and, um, Chicago, uh, recent one, you know, kind of expanding in Detroit. So let's, so let's hit, let's hit on that. I know that's been a big part of your, you know, professional career, but talk a bit about DP Fox and, and what you're doing. And I know it's a big chunk of it is in automotive and, and car dealerships. So let's, let's start to unpack that. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah, DP Fox is a, basically a holding company. You could call it a private equity company, if you will, that invests in a variety of businesses, the largest being uh, our largest holdings being what we call Fox Motors, which is a, a dealer automotive dealer group that ranges from Chicago. We have Chicago Ford, which is uh, there's a lot of metrics, but arguably the largest, definitely largest Ford dealership in Chicago, maybe the largest dealer in Chicago. Um, and then it, it uh, stretches all the way up north to the UP, where we have four different dealerships up then starting in Marquette, down to Nagani, drop down to Tez, um, uh, Traverse City, Cadillac, Michigan. Then, of course, in the Grand Rapids metro area, we have 11 dealerships. Uh, we have four car dealerships in Ann Arbor. And we just recently acquired three new dealerships, which is was very exciting for me. It was um, a homecoming of sorts. We acquired three uh, dealerships in the Metro Detroit area, specifically Farmington Hills and Novi okay. with um, uh, BMW, Jaguar and Land Rover, all in kind of that Farmington Hills and uh, Novi area. So um, that's the that's the car dealership piece where uh, as an attorney in my role here, basically I provide, uh, those are really my clients. So I provide them with all their legal services all the way from, uh, the acquisition of a dealership to the operational issues that occur across uh, across the business to in the rare uh, instance of a, a divestiture when we would sell i would be involved in that too that's fairly uncommon but um so that's the auto side and, and that's really uh when i think of myself that's really i'm a car lawyer really i spend the right. majority of my time there um worth mentioning though a couple of our other uh, big holdings are the Grand Rapids Griffins, which is the Red Wings primary affiliate. A lot of folks are familiar with the Griffins out here in Grand Rapids. Tyler Bertuzzi started his career here in, uh, in Grand Rapids. Yeah. And then um, a couple other fun things, like we've got a fashion line in, uh, in New York City called Pamela Rowland. And uh, now that I mentioned that, you might catch them uh, occasionally uh, providing the clothing for someone at a, a fun event like the Oscars or the Golden Globes. And then we've got other holdings like a, a large resort in the Bahamas. Uh, so it gives me some kind of wide, uh, broad legal experience, just a business generalist, if you will, uh, in the legal area. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have uh, I've been to probably 10 Griffins games um, yeah. in the last couple of years and uh, specifically, you know, with kids ranging from uh, four to 11, if, if somebody that's listening to this, uh, has not done that, uh, what an awesome kid friendly, uh, yeah. not, uh, breaking your wallet experience on a Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. It's just awesome. I mean, you know, to go to a Red Wings game these days with their family of four, I mean, you're probably looking at let's call it a thousand bucks by the time you get the tickets and you park and versus you can go to the wings game. And if your kids are my age, seven and eight, they don't. I think, excuse me, the Griffins games, they don't, it's just as much fun, you know, and they have a great time. They put on a great game day experience. And uh, very uh, much easier to get in and out. Yeah, uh, for sure. Especially, 
if you kind of know where to go there downtown. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a that's a must. And uh that's been going strong. Now isn't this is this year 25? Is that right? Uh, uh let's see. It started, I think it was 95 was their first year. 95. 90, I don't think it's 20. It might, yeah. Okay. So somewhere around yeah. They've, been, they've been around for a bit, which is which is pretty uncommon when I mean, if you think about like farm teams to yeah. who they sort of uh, roll up to on the professional level, that the, the Griffins team has some uh, some awesome consistency and staying power being tied. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Cool. All right. So a big chunk and just kind of hearing what you said there, a few different things you get involved in, but but mostly automotive. Now, um, I've. I guess I've had the experience where, you know, working in, in the shipping business um, where uh, with cardio ships, you have two different things that, that we would get involved with over the years, whether it's sending contracts to banks uh, every time, a, you know, a, a deal is done, meaning a car is bought or, you know, leased or resold or whatever. Uh, and then obviously a lot of dealerships have a, a parts business and, and or a econ parts business. So um, I'm pretty familiar with working with dealerships over the years. Um, I worked with the, the Benton Group in Grand Rapids for a long mm. time. My, my point of bringing that up, though, no, no free advertising to other dealer groups uh, on the show, please. Well, thankfully, I, you didn't have to, you didn't sign the non-disclosure. Oh, OK. Um, but the point is, is I've seen, like many industries, a lot of consolidation. Um, mostly, you know, you made that comment a minute ago, the, you know, doing an, um, a selling right for you to be involved in a sale on the other side would be uh, more of an exception. And, and, I, and, and obviously, DP Fox is a larger group. So what I've seen is a lot of the bigger groups are getting bigger <laughs> and buying up some of the smaller, call them mom and pop dealerships, call them family businesses. So it sounds like that's been a huge part of what you've been involved yeah. in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's a fascinating. Now, we're seeing this, as you know, Dave, across a lot of different industries. I mean, it's happening veterinary clinics, uh, eye doctors, dentists, all these people, they're getting rolled up. And the same is occurring in, in the car industry. So the, you know, your local mom and pop dealer who was a, a staple of the community, right? They're at the 4th of July parade and they were, uh, and they were sponsoring the football program and all this sort of stuff. And maybe they were employing the high school kids as their first job out of, out of high school or in high school or whatever. Um, you know, what's happening is, a, is a, a group back then, maybe you'd have a single point, like I said, mom and pop, or maybe if they were really big, maybe they would have two or three or three stores, that would be a, that would be a big kind of dealer group. And what's happening now is with, for a variety of reasons, you've got, you know, margin compression, the price of cars, the, the, um, the profit on these cars has historically been uh, getting lower and lower costs of real estate, getting higher and higher. There's so much complexity, the technology expenses, the, um, uh, all the expenses associated with running the dealership. It just, it just gets, it gets really hard. And what you're seeing as a result is, these mom and pops, when they eventually get to the point where they are uh, about ready to, to retire, maybe and move on to another part of their life, they sell. And of course, the, the people that are there knocking on the door to buy it are the larger groups like a Fox Motors. We have, by the way, over 30 different car dealerships. And then you get, you know, even the, the massive car dealerships, uh, those uh, folks out there may be familiar with the Lithia's recent purchase of Suburban, right? So I mean, uh, you're seeing just huge transactions uh, these days, and it's really fun. And that's, uh, I get involved on the transaction side. There's nothing more fun than putting a deal together and working through the nuances of that and, uh, and trying to make a deal happen. And 
And with a dealer group of our size, when we come in, we of course bring efficiencies and economies of scale. You know, we've got a corporate IT team that can provide IT to all the dealerships and legal services to all the dealerships and HR and accounting and finance and everything that comes with it. And uh, so it just makes for a win-win. And of course, the, the sellers, the, the mom and pops out there, they do real well in the transaction uh, too. And all their sweat equity that they've built and uh, reputation and, and all that stuff for doing a great job for all those years, uh, they're rewarded handsomely for that in the end. So how involved do you, are, are you kind of the, you know, the, the guy that's on the whiteboard put, putting the, the, the deal together. And obviously there's a ton of back and forth. We're, we're, we're not talking yeah. about small transactions here. I understand that. Yeah. Um, but do you kind of step away once the deal gets over the finish line and kind of the, yeah. the, those admin teams take care of the implementation or where, where, where do you kind of hand it off? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. We always, uh, on the legal team here, we always like to say like after the after the deal is done, we get to go out to the bar and have a few drinks. And that's when the <laughs> operational team, that's when their work really begins. But gotcha. yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I would say the best way to describe that is I'm on the acquisition team and that once the deal, you know, works with our C CFOs and our, our uh, COO, um, once the terms of the deal are really struck, the, the lawyers come in and make the deal happen. So we're the ones that are trying to take whatever the deal conceptually is and reduce it to writing, of course, and getting these monstrous uh, asset purchase agreement, real estate purchase agreement, and doing everything like that. We, we make the deal happen, right? Yeah. Um, and that's normally a month, months of work. Um, and then ultimately, when the deal closes, I, I'm half kidding because we're done a lot of in a traditional lawyer in a law firm would be done basically at that point. But I do cross over in the operational. So if there's legal issues on the operational side, whether it's an employee issue, whether it's a, a contract issue, um, whether it's an issue with the state regulator like Myosha or something like that, I will re-engage and be involved um, on operational issues as they relate to, to legal type things. Got it. Okay. Very, very good. Um, well, congrats on the on the recent acquisitions. Uh, yeah. I, from from what I've seen, I don't imagine that that's going to stop or slow down anytime soon. Yeah, you need a BMW, right? Let's get you. You can be. Uh, I'll get you the friends and family. You know, get you in like an X. Uh, I don't know, M five maybe. Get me the friends. So you know, my the, the franchise is about six months old. So I, yeah. I have some goals by the, the end of expense. year one. So maybe, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, being self-employed. I'll leave yeah. it with that. Um, all right. So now still talking about actually going to buy cars, right? So I live, I drive by Royal Oak Ford, Ford, excuse me. Yeah. Um, almost another more free advertising from you for all these other dealers. Um, <laughs> we talked about that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's good. So, uh, and, and they are not a customer, but anyway, yeah. Like any dealership in uh, America, uh, I have watched their inventory go from, uh, you know, bursting at the seams and having cars two lots over to, frankly, looking like they're going out of business. Right. Um, I, I got an oil change the other day, and I think I counted like 17 cars. And um, by the way, they're, they're not all Fords, right? So yeah. we, it's one of those things like that we, you, you become much more aware of something once you actually see it or yeah. when in, and this all ties together, right? Like nobody ever talked to me. I've been in the, uh, technically the shipping business. I've been in the shipping business 18 years. Nobody ever talked to me about supply chain until it hit the news. Yeah. <laughs> and now everybody wants to talk about it. So right. um, long winded question, but 
where have you know where have you seen the impact there kind of where where's you know has there been changes that you have made because i would imagine when you manage 30 dealerships right and all and all the employees that's a much bigger impact than even one store or or three stores yeah. so talk about the last couple of years there yeah well i mean dave it's it's absolutely shocking to drive by car dealerships and see what's going on right i mean it's almost i mean Granted, I'm in the industry, but it's almost shocking to the eye because historically you've had these car dealerships that, you know, a big part of their business, they got the land, these huge parcels of land where they're going to put five, $600, uh, excuse me, five or 600 cars on the lot. And now we're in, a, we're in a, a market where you drive by these car dealerships and maybe there's five cars there, you know, and you've got just huge swaths of, of unoccupied land, just a blacktop, you know, just a parking lot. And so the, the entire model, I mean, the car industry for the reasons I just discussed, the consolidation and things of that nature combined with, uh, it's a fascinating time separate from what we're seeing right now to be in the car industry because you've got these events that are kind of confluence of events that are coming together. You've got electric vehicles, you've got ride sharing like Uber, you've got the younger generation that, you know, we're are we part of the older generation, by the way? Now, I, I don't know. That is a heated unending topic yeah. with my golf buddies uh who range from 71 to 35 yeah. so the question is who is a millennial and who is not and yeah. all that good well, stuff 1980s that's like the turning point because right. i think we're like the yeah. forgotten there's like a five-year section there of people who are just i probably associate more with, with gen x in all yeah. reality um but i can quickly feel my uncle has a great quote that says 40 is the old age of youth, 50, mm. the youth of old age. And I, I, I can kind of feel that, that change uh, happening. But anyways, I digress. Um, so, you know, the younger generation, you know, you and I were probably, I was dying to get my driver's license and to get a car at, at 16, right? The younger generation, you know, I talked to some of my coworkers, kids, and, you know, they're 16. I'm like, you can go get your license today. And they're like, eh, man, maybe. You know, so you've got all these confluence of events. So all those things were happening in the backdrop. Now you've got this massive disruption and the supply chain, I, I um, kind of equate it to, it's like oxygen, right? Like when things are going well, like, you know, you don't even realize like supply chain is a thing. It doesn't matter. There's just, there's plenty of room. There's really no kind of bottlenecks in the, in the supply chain system. And, and just whatever you need in your life, whether it's a car, whether it's toilet paper, whether it's shampoo, whether it's clothing, it's just all there at our fingertips, at least here in, you know, fortunately here in the United States. Right. Now, all of a sudden there's supply chain issues and, and you can really feel it. And we're feeling it in the car industry. I mean, your typical car dealership, their inventory is probably 15%, not down 15%. It's probably 15% of what it was historically down 85%, you know? Um, so we're moving to different models. I mean, I think it's going to move. We're going to see it move more to almost a just in time. It's not just in time because there's like a 60 day or 90 day window between when you order your car and when it shows up, but it's going to move more to that model. I really believe that's here to stay where you pick out your car online, you work with your local dealer to get it and they let you know when it's here. I mean, the days of kicking tires, uh, going to four or five different dealerships and kicking tires and haggling over a couple bucks here or there, um, are probably coming to an end. I mean, there'll still be some of it, but not like it used to be. Right. It's kind of the sort of the supply chain versus Carvana model create yeah. the new local dealership model. That's right. 
That's right. Got it. Um, what are you driving these days? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I knew you were going to ask that. Well, one, one of the fun things about being an M5, like the one I want you to get. Okay. <clears throat> one thing about being in the car <clears throat> business is you get to drive a lot of different cars. So yeah. it's just a fact. Right now I'm in a, um, a Nissan Maxima is what I'm in. So, but it, it'll change. It'll change uh, every so often. You get, you get to try them all out. Uh, yeah. Again, we did not talk about this ahead of time. I ordered a car uh, Thanksgiving week or the week after Thanksgiving um, and still has not been put into production just yet. So it kind yeah. of you know, puts your just a, a real life example of um, what that sort of supply chain looks like right now yeah. and how the model's changing. Yeah, you got to be thinking, um, you got to be thinking 90 days out at least. And so you should be, by the way, for all those folks out there that are, coming up on the end of a lease, call your local dealer now. I mean, start working with them right now and, and finding the car. And, um, you know, it's also one of those interesting times, probably your, your grandfather or father would always tell you buy a used car, you know, find a good two-year-old used car. And I, you know, I subscribe to that myself, but it's one of those rare times where the used car market is so through the roof. Yep. It's just insane. And uh, you can, in a lot of instances, find a new car for call it roughly the same price as a, as a used car. So, I mean, it's, it's things have flipped and it's almost makes sense to get a new car right now. I guess it's the same as buying a used house. <laughs> yeah, right. that's true. Inventory. I mean, yeah. you know, inventory is down in housing market too. So the, uh, the name of the show is where you're going. I think you're starting to, starting to hit on this now, but kind of, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you the question, like when you're 18 and uh, you, you go yeah. do an interview and you, uh, you say, where do you see the company in five years, sir? Yeah. Um, but kind of where's, where are, where's Mark Tomasic going, whether that's with, with DP Fox or, uh, you know, Mark and Kevin, the family, what's kind of the, the outlook for, uh, the next handful of years, where are you headed? Yeah. You know, what scares me about our age is that, you know, how old are your kids? Uh, my kids are 11 and nine. Okay. So I'm right behind you. I'm at seven and eight, 18 yeah, we used to, We used to have uh, swimming lessons together. Yeah, that's Friday, right. Right. That's right. Gold Shout out to my high school uh, classmates, Chris and Jenny McQuiston, who started that franchise, Goldfish Swim School. So they did real well. That's awesome. Um, you know, it's funny that because, you know, we're in the heat of it right now, right? It's just like all kids. So it's so all consuming, this family life with young kids. But really, I look at it, it's like in 10 years, which we just talked about 10 years going really quick. Right. It's like it's all over. Right. I mean, they're out of the house. They're in college. So, I mean. Uh, it's not exactly what you asked me, but, uh, you know, I really make a point to try and focus on the moment as it relates to my kids, because it's, it's over in a heartbeat. I mean, it's really crazy, but where am I in 10 years? Well, hope, hopefully, is that what you asked? Where am I in 10 years or how many years? I left it open-ended on purpose. Okay. I, 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 I want you to drive my friend. Okay. Well, you know, <clears throat> I love the auto industry. I love my company. I love being a, a lawyer uh, in this in this industry. So, I think you know, if, if I could paint it out, it would be that uh, the company I'm with is uh, continues on this con uh, tremendous growth trajectory, where we go from being one of the largest car dealerships groups in Michigan uh, to the largest in the Midwest or to the largest one of the largest in the country. And um, and you know, I'm right at the right at the helm of it all, kind of overseeing everything that. That happens, and and um, part of being in a, a dynamic industry like the car industry right now is any industry where there's change occurring is for that moment in time you get to be on the on the cutting edge of the change and, and on the 
at the forefront and really intimately involved in the evolution of an industry. And there's no more, there's no industry, in my opinion. I mean, we're a, you know, company, a country that loves technology and we love a lot of different things. But when you think of classic Americana, uh, the automobile is just, and Detroit, by the way, I also take tremendous pride in being from the Motor City and finding myself in the, in the auto industry. Uh, you know, uh, so to be at the forefront uh, and involved in, in, in that industry in particular is something I'm very, I'm very proud of and I get a lot of uh, satisfaction from and one that I don't want to leave. So hopefully I'm, I'm continuing um, in a similar role, just on a much bigger scale, you know, and uh, continuing to grow. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, knowing what I know about you, uh, and, uh, the company, uh, I feel, uh, I feel pretty confident that yeah, we're going to get you in a Fox car, you know, very soon, the next one. All right. Well, you know, make a, you know, you're, you're a lawyer, not a salesperson. Right? I had a little maybe, both. I dabble. Or maybe that, well, that's where, that's where I'm going. So somebody yeah. put, put me on a hot list, right. Whether yeah. it's, I mean, it's a CRM or yeah. Excel spreadsheet or an iPhone, you know, foxmotors.com. Check us out. <laughs> all your, we got all your, any brand you want right from right there. Well, Mark, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I told you I was going to let you drive. So your call, you, uh, you can uh, mess with me a bit if you want, or, um, at, or you can, uh, you know, tell everybody where, where, where to find you, where to find the business. I know you just gave the email address there, but sure. uh, your, uh, your call and how you want to wrap this up. Yeah. Well, um, I will go with, uh, I, you know, we touched on some of those, some of those things, um, that I had, I was actually, I was, I dropped on Dave that I actually had, um, some, uh, discussions points, uh, for him that I wanted to touch on. Let's see. Well, the one we already talked about, I talked a little bit about kids, but you know, um, it's not surprising to see for me to see you having done very well, because for those who don't know, Dave was our the president, you know, it's a lot of guys that just come and go through college, but Dave exhibited some real, in hindsight, real leadership skills, real early. Um, he was president of our fraternity. He was always, a, you know, really one of the guys that, that represented the school very well. Um, and so it's not surprising to see me, see you driving in the business area and, and having a lot of success. Well, my question that I was going to ask you is how does how did having kids and having a family, how did that change your outlook on, on all that stuff? Because I think, I think there's, you know, folks our age who are kind of on this path and then you have kids and it just changes everything. And I like, I like to talk to people about that because it's so monumental in our life, you know? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I, I appreciate you saying that I had, um, uh, I don't know if my first year or so, uh, as, a you know, at, at Western was, I don't know what yeah. really path that was going down. It was probably yeah. going down a few different paths, but yeah. honestly, I had some awesome mentors that were a few years older than me that got me on the right path and, uh, made, made it an awesome college experience. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, as far as that question goes, I just think that having kids <clears throat> changes your motivation. So, and, and, and I've said this on, you know, to people, uh, this has sort of been my, like, I wear, I wear this answer on my sleeve. Um, and the answer has just changed a bit, meaning, you know, you, you, you talked about growing up and all that. And yeah, both of my parents were coaches. So, um, uh, you know, that being around sort of people that are, you know, are doing okay. And, um, you know, being a little, um, 
having to say no to things growing up. Yes, that drives you. But once you accomplish something and then you start to have kids and, and, and there, there are, there's more going on. I just think that what motivates you changes. And yeah. frankly, it's probably in more of a microscope for me because I see this as like the 2.0 of my career. And I hate to sound corny, but you know, I sort of moved up the corporate ladder and then um, COVID changed it. And now having to be an entrepreneur and starting over, frankly, I'm not doing it necessarily for me. I'm doing it to kind of climb the ladder again, just as a business owner and an entrepreneur. And that's what, you know, the, the drive anymore isn't to sort of shove it up somebody's face that from when I was 20 or 15 or 30 years old, uh, the drive now is to be able to prove it that you can do it again and yeah. you can do it again. Uh, you know, it twofold, a little bit more tread uh, worn off on the tires, frankly, right? Like, hey, guess what? Um, I didn't need to close my eyes at 2.30 in the afternoon when I was 25 years old for 10 yeah. minutes to get yeah. fired up again. Like, yeah. I, I'm, you know, uh, I guess I'm an old soul, but I have to do that sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think it's just kind of digging down deep to what's really important, um, what you want at 30 uh, without kids versus 35 with young kids versus 40 with, you know, kids that are growing up. And to your point, you look up and like, Hope Hudson's going to graduate from high school in nine years. And then, you know, this isn't all over, but, but this all changes. So, yeah. um, you know, just to kind of tie that together, I, I think your motivation and what you're trying to do goes a bit more from money's the most important to actually having more time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's really what kind of changes as you, as you move forward in your career. Yeah. I mean, there's this whole, Dave, there's this whole, this is well documented. There's this whole kind of happiness continuum, you know, from one being instant gratification, money, sex, drinking to two, meaning two would be like, you know, personal uh, accomplishment. Three would be relationship with others. Four would be ultimate, whether it's religious or spiritual or, you know, something greater than yourself. And, you know, you, you find yourself, what you're kind of describing is, is moving through that, that continuum. And for me, having kids, you know, it really changed. I think it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I felt such a, and it, it impacted business and everything because I just felt such a deep uh, obligation or responsibility to role model, to be, to be, I'm always aware that my son in particular is always watching me. So yeah. does he want to see me as the guy who's like sleeping in, like dad sleeps in in the morning or no, dad's up and ready to go, uh, early dressed, um, you know, fresh, ready to get after the day. And, and, uh, you know, is dad coming home complaining about work or is dad coming home and energized talking about all the great opportunities that are out there. And even if I'm not really feeling that way, you know, I'm always aware I got to fake it. You know, and right. what happens is my phone is ringing here. What happens is, uh, you know, you fake it till you fake it till you make it. And I think at the end of the day, as you look at kids and in, in, in a way that has translated to, I think, more more success in, in uh, my career because of the, the focus on on that, you know, and being right. that role model for someone else um, who's always watching. They're always watching. So not to say you don't have a choice because you. You do have a choice, but yeah. it's almost the the pressure and the influence changes a bit when yeah. you know somebody else is watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such, it's so special, especially to have kids. Um, it's a very rare occurrence in life when there's somebody out out there who idolizes you. 
Right. You know, and we all know we're not worthy of, of that adoration. You know, deep down, we're flawed individuals. But for that, for that moment when your kids are of a certain age, especially with daddy, right? They idolize you. And uh, it's a really a fun thing. And, uh, you know, you got to do your best to be worthy, to be worthy of such high regard, you know? Yeah. So I think that's been a really fun thing uh, for being a dad. That's, that's so true. And, and, you know, both of our sons are at that about exact age right now. So it's cool to, it's cool to experience. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you get moving. Uh, I fantastic conversation. And um, yeah. what, uh, so hey, you're doing a great job. I listen to all the podcasts. <laughs> Did I lose you? No, I had to I'm plug here. my computer. You're doing a great job. And, uh, you know, you've got all, you could go big with this, man. Don't do it. You know, think big. You got a lot of people that want to hear you. Well, uh, I, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll keep plugging them out. You were, uh, uh, I know that, uh, you know, you thought you could be better than, than Eric Jernick and um, I'll ask him uh, things. <laughs> I said, don't say that. Jernick, <laughs> my motivation is, was strictly to do better than Eric Jernick. Uh, we all, and David, we all had you know, some history together. The um, reality is David asked me so many times to be on this podcast and uh, he finally got me. What can you say? There you go. I don't, I don't know if that's really how it went. Is that how it went? I don't think so. No, I think it was the other way around, which is even a better compliment. All right. So if somebody wants to find Mark Tomasic uh, or uh, go get a car or maybe uh, maybe even a bigger fish wants to talk about some sort yeah. of merger and, and acquisition, how do they get a hold yeah. of Mark Tomasic? Well, just, you know, hit me up. Uh, mtomasic at dpfox.com. Best way to find me. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Facebook, I don't like to admit it, but I, I am on Facebook. Uh, Instagram, eh, don't, don't find me there. Find me on LinkedIn, Mark Tomasic. Check us out, foxmotors.com. Even though I, like David said, I'm a lawyer, but I'm a sales guy at heart. So if anyone out there needs a car or whatever, just hit me up, happy to help. The hybrid, Mark, yeah. the hybrid Tomasic. Five tool player. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, yeah. sir. I. Uh, Look forward to chat more and watching your and uh, DP Fox's success in the future. Awesome. Likewise. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Where Are You Going? Feel free to look up Dave on LinkedIn for more of this original content. Thanks.